well, there we go. All right, yeah, sorry I'm running a little bit late. I just got back from eating the birth of my father figure, and it's a time gets tricky. Time gets tricky when you're doing such things, but hey, it looks like uh, everything's looking and sounding good. We got some first live chat folks here. Thanks for joining. Really appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, let's let's do this. Let's officially get into it. If you have questions about today's comics, if you just have topics you want to discuss, definitely let me know in the chat. The super chat is open. If you feel like supporting Comic Carol, that's the best way to get your thing seen. Uh, and I will definitely prioritize all of those. But nonetheless, I will try to go through all the questions that I can see as I'm talking here and uh, and touch on some good fun topics today. Because you know we got a we got a ramshackle day of X-Men comics here as we are in the interim. We are in the pause, right, between the end of The Reign of X with Inferno and Jonathan Hickman's final X-Men comics and on into The Destiny of X. The Destiny of X will officially begin, it seems like, very late March. But right now we have the X-Lives of Wolverine and X-Deaths of Wolverine 10-issue weekly event. I'm seeing it here in the chat, declared the best comic ever. Conversation over. We're done. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, yeah, no, we got a lot to say. I got a lot to say about X Lies Wolverine number one. I'm going to have a full, proper crack in Krakoa. It's actually already, it's probably maybe even already uploaded. Um, it's going right now. It's going right now on the other machine. But let's do this. All right, so welcome to Casual Krakoa. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. And today we are going to talk about all the X-Men comics that came out. Let's start with the big one. Let's start with the event comic, which is X-Lives, X-Deaths of Wolverine. All right, X-Lives, number one, came out today. It is a 10-issue weekly comic series, alternating between lives and deaths issues week to week, telling the story of a time-traveling Wolverine protecting someone critical to mankind. Now, if you are here on the live chat, I should mention up front, I am going to spoil the heck out of the comics that came out, okay? Everything we talk about, spoilers are going to be present. Um, I'm not going to try to ruin anything, but we're going to talk about these. We're going to talk about these as if we've read them, which I have. Um, so that's that's the conversation, all right? So if you're not cool with that, I'll come back later when you've read it, and um, and then you can talk about it. Everybody in the chat, uh, all I ask is that we uh, be respectful of those around you. Have a good, fun time, and let's talk X-Men comics. X-Lies Wolverine, number one. I was skeptical. I've been very skeptical, okay, of X-Lives and X-Deaths, namely because the Percy X-Force and Wolverine experience uh, has not been my favorite. It's fine. I like it fine. Um, those comics are are often accompanied by really great art, right? Joshua Cassara's first time out really got into his work on X-Force, doing some amazing stuff. Uh, Wolverine, I think Adam Kubert is doing, like, career-best stuff. Um, I love what Adam Kubert's doing on that book, and, and that maybe that's sacrilege because the Kuberts have such a legacy as, a, as an artistic family. Um, but I've really been digging that, you know? So there's some good stuff in there. They're, they're all, like, extremely, extremely competent workmanlike books. They just aren't super exciting to me. And I think what became even more, you know, was more of a problem as X-Force and Wolverine built and built and built and built is Percy's playing a really long game. Um, and, and this is something that I've talked about a bunch, but like, I think actually most of the X-Men writers that started in the Dawn of X, you know, that started on the Wave 1 titles after House of X and Powers of 10, they have confidence and some comfort in playing extremely long games. Now, a lot of times as comic fans, it sounds very appealing, you know, like that sounds extremely appealing, right? That is one of, if not the thing that Jonathan Hickman became most well known for and most beloved for by Marvel fans was these wheels within wheels, long running series, you know, the, the way that his 
Secret Warriors, builds to Fantastic Four, builds to Avengers, builds to Secret Wars, right? That stuff's extremely exciting, and I love that. I love that in the Marvel Comics universe, you know? So the idea <laughs> of the long run is extremely exciting. What I am skeptical of is whether or not some of the creatives in the X office can or, or more importantly are pulling it off, right? Whether or not they can is kind of besides the point. I think a lot of these, you know, Benjamin Percy is a really good writer. He's written really good Green Arrow stuff for DC. He's got written good fiction, right? His Wolverine, like I said, his X-Force, they're interesting ideas at times. They are not uninteresting comics. Um, that, that I would not say for sure, right? But it's not something that has really blown me away, has not been, maybe it's just not my cup of tea or something. Um, so with X-Lives and X-Deaths, the hype machine for X-Lives and X-Deaths of Wolverine was too high. <laughs> the volume was turned up too loud in terms of what was possible um, in, in comparisons to House of X and Powers of Ten because it's a weekly series where no other X-Men comics are coming out. Percy in interviews is saying he's trying to do the best Wolverine comic of all time, which, awesome, you should, right? If you're writing Wolverine, you should try to write the best Wolverine comic of all time. Um, but, you know, like, that's that's a high bar, right? That's a high bar. For the record, for the record, we have on Comic Herald right now, if you go to comicherald.com, we have the X best Wolverine comics of all time, okay? So aligned with X lives and X deaths, I wanted to put together a list of my and, and a bunch of the CBH writers' favorite Wolverine stories. So we've got a really cool curated list of, like, off-the-beaten-path favorites, okay? Most of the stuff that are on these types of lists, your Old Man Logan, your Claremont and Miller Wolverine, uh, most of those are not on there, okay? So we got some really good, fun, off-the-beaten-path Wolverine wrecks, which I super, super recommend. Again, you find all this on comicbookgirl.com. I had to put my pick in at the end. I did have to put one traditional favorite at the end of that list because it is my favorite Wolverine comic of all time. It's one of my favorite Marvel comics of all time. It is Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X, okay? It is issue 72 to 84 of Marvel Comics Presents. came out in the early 1990s, and it is absolutely my favorite Wolverine story. And I talk a little bit in that write-up about why that is. I've thought about maybe I'll do a video. Since that may or may not happen because I have so many other commitments going on right now, I will just say the thing I love so much about Weapon X, the original Barry Windsor Smith comics, aside from the fact that he's one of the greats, <laughs> one of the artistic storytelling greats, and that comic looks incredible, is there's so much mystery with Wolverine in that era, right? There's so much mystery about what is Weapon X? What did they do to him? Where does he come from? What are his origins? We didn't know any of this in the 80s and 90s, right? Coming, growing up on X-Men, the animated series, all that stuff was mystery. When X-1 and X-2, the movies are coming out with Hugh Jackman, we didn't know. So, like, when Wolverine goes back to Weapon X, that is all mystery. We didn't have what we have now as readers in a post-House of M world where Wolverine's memories were restored. And he regained, you know, a good, good chunk of, like, who he was. And when Wolverine Origins has been written, right, and we kind of know where he came from, the absence of that was actually far more thrilling. And the mystery about Wolverine and the unknowability of his past, which Barry Windsor Smith captures better than anyone. Like, that whole comic is like, did this happen or didn't this happen? And ultimately, you don't know, and ultimately, it doesn't matter. It's still an incredible story. And the, the coolest thing about it is, like, probably some of it did, but all of it could have. And it shapes Wolverine. It shapes our idea of him. It shapes who he is. And it shapes his relationship to Weapon X. That's my all-time favorite um, Wolverine comic. And I tell you that story to tell you this one, which is Percy shooting for the best Wolverine comic of all time. 
it's not. <laughs> it's not that. It's not on the Barry Windsor Smith Weapon X level. It's not even on, like, I don't know, like the Jason Aaron run level. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I like Old Man Logan better for sure. Um, so X Lies Wolverine number one for me was frustrating. It was a frustrating comic book. Um, I, there's so much hype built into this event. Okay. And again, these compares, and some of this stuff is just, right, it's press, it's publicity. You say these things and you tease out these connective tissues because you want people to buy the book. I get it. I understand that, right? So the, the hype machine obviously is going to elevate it to a level that is not achievable. But nonetheless, it is an actual event, right? It is an actual moment of 10 issues weekly. The only thing in the X line that has done this in the Hickman era is House of X and Powers of 10, right? Like it is an event. So if you're going to declare it as such, I would hope it would launch with an issue that would really knock it out of the park, that would really throw some curveballs, that would really bring the heat, would bring the juice, and would do something exciting and interesting and different. And X Lies Wolverine does not do that. It does not innovate. It does not invent. It's telling a story that feels, to me, fairly familiar. It's a great-looking book. Joshua Kassara, Frank Martin, fantastic artistic pair. I love them together. Again, Benjamin Percy, extraordinarily competent. But when you're writing the event of the X-Men, and, and the thing, too, is, like, considering the context of where we are as X-Men comics readers and as comics fans, right? We are coming out of a very muddled, really stagnant reign of X, okay? A lot of that, there's a lot of reasons, there's a lot of rationale, there's a lot of change, but like coming into this year now, it's like, okay, now's the chance for us to push ahead, to do new stuff, to fill out these plans, to, to play with all of these building blocks that we've been setting up over time, and hit the destiny of X running. And X Lies of Wolverine hits the ground you know, wounded. <laughs> it hits the ground wounded. It's not hitting the ground running. It feels too safe, I will say. Um, I can already hear in the comments of my Cracking Critical video, I can already envision the commenters, because people love to say this when I get down on something, when I get critical, they love to say, it's the first issue. What are you doing? You're overreacting to a first issue. And a lot of times I am sympathetic to that, and sometimes it's true, and sometimes it's not. In this instance, though, in this instance, X Lives of Wolverine number one is not a first issue, okay? It is the first issue of this event, but it is the next issue of Benjamin Percy's 40-plus issue X-Force and Wolverine series, okay? And that's one of the things that was the most notable and maybe the most surprising to me, even though it shouldn't be at all, but, like, this is just the next issue of Wolverine, <laughs> X-Lives of Wolverine. It's just the next issue in the series. This is absolutely just filling in and building off the building blocks specifically of X-Force and of Wolverine. There's nothing really referenced here from any of the other books, including the likes of Inferno. Now, I know that's going to come. I know that's going to come, and I have theories as to how it's going to come, okay? Um, but in for the meantime, it's like, well, if you haven't been around or into the Percy experience to this point on X-Force and Wolverine, X-Lives of Wolverine isn't going to do anything to change that. So I think people, individuals who have been fans of those books to this point who have stuck with them and been super into it or at least invested you should check out x lies wolverine number one like you're probably going to enjoy it if you've enjoyed the ride to this point uh but if you haven't and you checked out on x-force and wolverine I, I can't imagine you're going to dig this book like i can't imagine it at all um it is it is wholly a continuation of those stories i, I mean the threads that it's pulling on here it's pulling on all the buildup of omega red 
as a villain, um, as as being granted amnesty on Krakoa, as Wolverine not trusting that. Uh, that's played out in both X-Force and Wolverine. It's connecting to Mikhail Rasputin, brother of Colossus, as a, a villain, basically, of um, a mutant who does not want to live on Krakoa, is aligned with Mother Russia. Russia, you know, geopolitically, is not aligned with Krakoa. They do not get along, uh, to put it, you know, politely. And uh, and Mikhail is making moves, right, for Russia, including, including as we found out somewhat recently in the pages of X-Force, uh, controlling Colossus's actions in some manner, right? He's got this individual known as the Chronicler. This is a mutant that Mikhail keeps, like, in a dark room. And the Chronicler can, like, write the future. Um, you know, he's basically a stand-in for every comic writer, right? It's like he writes the future, and then that future happens. Okay, that is what becomes. And, like, Colossus seems to be under this control. We don't really know the degree of it. We don't really know the depth of it beyond, like, what did we see? I mean, Colossus murdered uh, his girlfriend, um, which seems mildly out of character for Piotr. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, and then in Inferno number two, we saw Colossus elected to the Quiet Council, which, you know, in, in the context of Inferno was pretty funny because it never came up again. It was like, it was a big stinger at the end of issue two. Hey, Colossus is here. We show him looking a little menacing. Um, nothing happened with it in the actual Inferno event. It feels now probably like, well, that was all set up, okay, for what's going to happen in Inferno, which is my expectation here is in death of Wolverine number one, uh, we're going to get some Colossus content, you know, because we have all these connections to what is going on with Russia, what is Mikhail's plans, how does it involve Omega Red, um, you know, my my theory, and I'll just throw it out here because it's going to be my Crack and Krakow video, I'll just say it, um, I think Mikhail's going to get word from Colossus through their control, uh, and Colossus is now quiet council access about the Xavier Moira Magneto Trinity, that whole deal, or at least whatever bits of it Colossus is fed, right? He's going to get that information, and then based on that information, he's going to say, okay, we can't allow Krakoa to come to fruition. Uh, we need to use our time travel tech, which who does? If you're if you're a nation and you don't have time travel tech, like, you're not a nation. <laughs> you know, you think you are, but really you're not. Um, they're going to send, and then they send Omega Red back, right? And it's going to be this time war between Wolverine and Omega Red, uh, saving the life of Professor X, which, like, Hey, as somebody who, as I've said this many times, grew up on the 90s X-Men animated series, I've seen one man's worth. Like, I've seen it, and it's good. I like it. <laughs> but protecting Professor X, you know, going back and preventing his death, that story's been done. That story's been done a lot. It feels super familiar. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little skeptical of that. You know what I'm seeing here in the comments? Your expectations are high, Dave. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My expectations for comic books that I'm going to spend money on and spend time reading and spend time talking about are high. Like, I, I, you know, and I, I keep them within reason, right? There are certain books and certain things that I'm that are just fun, right? That are just dumb fun. Um, or even just, like, well-executed escapes, you know? Not everything needs... To, like, I'm okay, I'm reading Chris Ware's Building Stories right now, okay? And if you're unfamiliar with Chris Ware, he's, like, this super inventive experimental graphic novelist, does these incredibly critically acclaimed things. Building Stories comes in a box that looks like a... Uh, a game board and it's got all sorts of different pieces and it's like it's super non-traditional it's fascinating i love it um i don't expect that <laughs> out of a wolverine comic okay um i'm also i'm prepping for an interview with uh with warwick johnson cadwell um or cadwell johnson who has worked with mike mignola on on these uh you know mignola verse mignola is the creator of hellboy uh you know these like these vampire hunters those stories are a blast those stories are a blast they look great just vampire hunting stories. They're not super complex. They're not literary. They're not getting compared to James Joyce and all that. 
but they're good and they're fun and they're tight and they do, they achieve the goals that they set for themselves very, very well. And I think, you know, one approach to criticism is you say, did this piece of art meet the goals that it was trying to achieve? And I would say with Wolverine, with X Lives, the answer is no. Look at this through any perspective, right? Look at what, are, well, like, what perspectives can we bring to what someone might expect out of this comic? Well, um, how about it's introducing people to Wolverine? No, not good at that, right? It's it's really not. Um, it's it's very referential based on Percy's previous X Force and Wolverine runs. Uh, what about just telling the greatest Wolverine story of all time? The the stated aim. Um, right now, no, super familiar, super trite. Um, a, very much a, a reflection of stories that have already been told. Um, you know, so it's like, it, it doesn't feel like it's doing what it wants to be doing. And you can feel that while reading it, hence the criticism. And I think too, like, you know, the reason my expectations are high with X-Men comics and, and why I come to this stuff the way that I do is the bar was, the bar was below the ground <laughs> before the House of X and Powers of Ten, right? The bar was below the ground when we're talking about X-Men Blue and X-Men Gold and all that stuff, right? I was out. I was all the way out, um, with the exception of the occasional Generation X or X-Men Red or whatever, right? Um, so, like, I was out. And and then House of X and Powers of Ten raised the bar. It raised the bar with this incredible story, and I don't need everything to hit that bar, but I do want everything to try. I do want everything to try, because otherwise, why are we doing this? Why are we reading superhero comics? There are so many good comics we could be reading and spending our time. There's so much good media in the world. I mean, good grief. Like, there are so many things that those of us privileged enough to sit and consume media can consume that, no, I don't want to waste my time on an average X-Lives Wolverine comic and say, like, uh, and sit here and pretend, like, oh, well, it's okay, and that's fine enough. It's not. It's not. And and I think we, we as, as comic book fans... And, and, you know, anyone in the field of criticism needs to hold these things to a higher standard. And I think X Lives Wolverine is a letdown in that regard. And that's why I find it so frustrating. Um, that's what I find frustrating about it. I, I didn't read this and I wasn't, like, furious. I don't sit here and think, like, these are bad comic book creators. They're all very good. I know that. And that's why I want more from it. So, you know, and, and to put, you know, a, a spin on it here, like, death, uh, X Deaths of Wolverine could be great. Could be awesome. I hope that it is, right? The cover teases the phalanx, okay? The cover's teasing, like, future stuff. Like, Wolverine going to the phalanx, um, you know, maybe he's protecting Moira, maybe he's protecting Magneto. That'd be cool. Give me a twist. Give me something different. Uh, and, and I'm in, right? And I'll be all the way back in. Uh, but for the time being, for the time being, it's just like, this book, it, it's, it's exactly kind of what you thought it'd be, and that's disappointing. Um, because, you know, I want bigger and I want better and I want to be surprised and I want to be excited about these comics and I want them to be incredible. Um, and, and when they're not, and again, like, again, the expectations of an event like this are that it should be incredible. And in, I mean, the closest comparison here, the closest comp is probably like Trial of Magneto, uh, because that's a similar situation where Leah Williams was writing X-Factor with David Baldion. That series, well, they, you know, they pitched um, doing this Trial of Magneto story. And then Editorial was like, okay, that's not going to be X-Factor. We're going to cancel X-Factor. We're going to make that an event instead because that's going to sell better. That did not benefit <laughs> the creative team of Trial of Magneto because it set the set the stage for this to be a big five-issue maxi-series event. And it wasn't that. It was it was in some ways a continuation of, of X-Factor and the run that we had seen to that point. It was in some ways sort of a... Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Scarlet Witch miniseries. Okay. Um, and, and I think I don't 
necessarily think with X lives and X deaths that we're seeing a similar problem, you know, because I, I think everybody seems to be like, clearly this was going to be an event, but the comic itself just reads like the next issue of Wolverine. Um, and that, that is not what I hoped for from this. So, uh, it's, it, it could have been a lot bigger and it could have been a lot better. Again, there's stuff I like, there's stuff I like. I think visually it's a very good comic. I think, I think Kassar and Martin's talents are so great that they're a little wasted in this book. There's one really cool image of a cerebral helmet on Wolverine and visions of all his, his lives. And, and that's, that's interesting. Um, and, and that's probably, but it's like the only visual in the book that really captures, you know, kind of what they're capable of, I think. So, but you know, I'm, I'm interested in hearing counterpoints. Obviously, obviously too, like, okay, yes, my expectations are high. And I think that X-Men comics, particularly launched as the big next X-Men event, should be big and good and exciting, <laughs> you know, and, and something new. But like for many of you, this may have been exactly that, right? And I get that, right? Like it, it's taste is subjective in some regards, even though mine is flawless, right? Like I understand that. So it, it's, some of you are gonna be super into it. I wanna hear why, I wanna hear like what you're into about it. Uh, I just don't, it, it, my skepticism was not uh, in any way counterbalanced by, by the content of this comic. Um, and, and yeah, I, you know, I think like, it's just, it's Wolverine protecting a baby Charles Xavier. And, and now the, the end of the comic is him. Now we're going to go to another greatest hits era of Wolverine with team X, which Percy has already explored a fair amount in his run. Uh, it's going to be Wolverine, Maverick and Sabretooth. He's going to have to go to another location to save professor X in a different era. Uh, it, this, it could get increasingly interesting. Just that aspect of it, you know, seeing different stages of professor X, that's actually pretty interesting. Because, uh, again, that's one of those things where we don't have a real tight connection of the Professor X as we know him now with the Moira influence and, like, comics history, right? So Wolverine finding Professor X when he's been under the influence of Moira, you know, a D-U-M, right? <laughs> he's <laughs> made him dumb. Uh, he's he's going to be a different kind of character, or at least our understanding and our perception of him is potentially different than than what it's been when we read those old X comics. So that piece of it, I can get excited about. You know, I can get into that. But again, it's got to be executed uh, the right way. So, but again, like, you know, it, it's, I, I just, I can hear it. I can hear the comments of it's only the first issue. And that drives me up a wall because it is so not. It is so not. It is literally the culmination of, of what? I mean, I can't do math, but two years, two plus years of story that Benjamin Percy has been telling, this is not the first issue. You don't have to wait and see. We know what this is, right? As Denny Green famously said, the bears are who we thought they were. And, and Ben Percy's Wolverine is who we thought he was. And I hope, I hope to be totally wrong and totally baffled with X deaths as it does something entirely new and hits a gear that I did not see coming and does all sorts of phalanxy sci-fi future timeline stuff. But I am not hold my breath. I remain skeptical. X lives Wolverine number one did not do a heck of a lot to change that. I do like, I do like the dark sideification of Omega Red. Okay. Putting his little Omega symbol on people's heads, like final crisis, dark side, like, that's kind of cool. Um, I, I like the idea of Omega Red 
getting this time travel ability, getting this like Agent Smith Matrix ability to just inhabit whoever the heck is around. Uh, it makes Omega Red potentially scary and potentially, you know, he's he's declaring himself Wolverine's new arch enemy. Um, and that's a title you got to earn. <laughs> and I don't think Omega Red is there yet. I think, you know, one thing that we kind of haven't gotten too much of, which is surprising given how much ex, uh, Omega Red content we've seen so far, is uh, we don't know a lot, a lot about, like, who he is, what he's doing, why he does what he does. You know what I mean? Um, there's not a ton of Omega backstory. So I think to make him, like, a super compelling arch enemy of Wolverine, we're definitely going to need more of those scenes of him with Mikhail, of him with this, you know, kind of Russian government as they're figuring out, you know, how they're, it seems, it sounds like from this issue, they're splitting like, you know, a human and mutant state almost with Mikhail and like, it seems like Mikhail's kind of running the show at this point. Um, but you know, more Omega Red, right? Like, like if we're going to do this, if we're really going to try and declare him the villain, the arch enemy of Wolverine, you know, he's supplanting Sabretooth and all that, then let's do it, right? Get into it. Uh, but, but, you know, We'll see. All right. Get your questions in. Get the chat in. I want to see them. Um, that was more, that was a little hotter than I meant to go. <laughs> but, but y'all got me started and I couldn't stop. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was a disappointing uh, debut issue. Uh, if you were here for X-Force and Wolverine, read it. You'll probably dig it. If you weren't, um, you may not. If you're not sure, then uh, I... Do you have to read X-Force and Wolverine to enjoy this? I mean, literally, no. Like, you don't have to because, you know, there's enough context clues. But, like, it references a fair amount of stuff. I really think you're going to you're gonna have a fuller appreciation, at least, for what's happening in this book if you're familiar with X-Force and Wolverine. Uh, but, again, like, that's 40-plus issues at this point. So, that's a lot. That's a lot to go through. I don't understand if, uh, if everybody, you know... Doesn't want to do that. So, all right. So that's enough on X Lies Wolverine. Um, if you have questions to it, I will definitely take them. But you know, for the for the meantime, I will get to some super chat questions here. We said we have from Cole. Dave, are you ready for Omoira Red? For Omoira Red. Okay. That, that I was looking at that question. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to answer this because I do not understand what's happening here. But now that I say it out loud, I do. Um, that would roll. <laughs> that would roll. Uh, yeah, okay. Like, yes, let's do more with Omega Red traveling through time, traveling through lifelines, um, and and really messing with mutant history. You know, I think that would be interesting, right? I think that's the thing is, like, if this book can divvy up the threats, like I said, like, if X-Deaths is a future timeline where, where they're messing with Moira, um, or better yet, they're messing with Magneto, right? And we bounce different eras of Wolverine's history, and it's not all just Professor X stuff. You know, because I think part of my disillusion with the first issue is the old-timey Xavier's being born in the Xavier Mansion, um, you know, the stillborn birth of Cassandra Nova as, as Professor Charlie is born. Uh, that just does not sound very exciting because it's this... It's this thing that we know to have happened, but it's, I mean, you have to start there, I guess. You know, I understand you start with the birth, but it's also like, well, I, it's just like, nobody wants to see a baby killed. <laughs> like, like, who are we kidding? Like, I don't understand why stories do this. Like, we don't want this to happen. Nobody wants to show it. They don't have the courage to show that. And good, they shouldn't. That's insane. Like, go to a timeline where Omega Red threatening Professor X is actually possibly going to happen, right? When that execution 
is plausible, okay? I think like going to the literal birth of these of these characters is just like, we know how this ends. Like, of course, of course Wolverine's gonna stand there with Professor X in his arms. Like this is, there's nothing super interesting or exciting about that. Uh, calling Omega Red, Omara Red, I'm super into. You know, and that's, that's actually one piece that I'm probably the most interested in, which is, so in the credits page of, of X Lives and X Deaths, we see Wolverine, we see Logan 6, Logan VI, and we see Logan VII, Logan 7. Um, and and I'm interested, does that just mean Logan inhabiting 10 different eras of his lifespan? Or could that have anything to do with various more lifelines? I mean, it seems like, based on what's happened so far, is that's going to be, there's going to be 10 eras of Logan's history that he goes back to and inhabits, right? And apparently, I mean, the implication from the credits page is six then, the one we actually saw here would be Logan when he's an adult and Professor X is being born, but he still has bone claws. He hasn't been through Weapon X. And then seven maybe is when he's with Team X with the CIA. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in between there, right? So I, I'm curious to see the different Logans, the different iterations. Like, what does that actually mean? What are the eras we're actually going to play with here? Um, I do want to see that stuff playing out fully. So yeah, I'm I'm ready for that. I'm excited for it. Uh, I hope it's I hope it's good. New type asks with X Men being big again, Ben being Spider Man. Uh, spoilers for Spider Man. Uh, Daredevil having a fresh era. It feels like we are in an era of '90s nostalgia. What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, '90s nostalgia is huge. Um, I I work in marketing. Uh, '90s nostalgia has been hot for a minute. I, I honestly I think. We're probably more or less moving past 90s nostalgia at this point, and we are on to early 2000s nostalgia, um, if not a little further, okay? Uh, I, my wife just showed me today uh, an announcement for a, something like a When We Were Young tour, and it's My Chemical Romance and Paramore. <laughs> Those are bands that I grew up with. Um, so, like, what is who is actually old now is people that still think they're young, namely myself, um, namely millennials. Okay. Millennials are old as hell, right? Like that gets, that gets misconstrued all the time. Uh, so I, I think like, yes, in comics terms, there's been a huge wave of nineties nostalgia shouts to Donnie Cates shouts to Steve Orlando. Um, some of the just shouts to James tiny and right. Some of these creators who grew up on, on some of these nineties comics and have a lot of affinity for it have brought these things back in a big way. Um, but I, I actually think we're probably, even more so getting ready to progress to more like 2000s nostalgia. Uh, but um, yeah, and I don't, I don't actually know what Daredevil, like what's going on in Devil's Reign. And we'll talk about that. That's, that's a good transition because we'll talk about Devil's Reign here with X-Men. I actually don't think what's happening in Daredevil is particularly reminiscent of the 90s because the 90s are kind of a dark age for Daredevil. Um, you know, like once you, you know, 1986 is Daredevil Born Again. And then you get the Anasenti and JRJR run. But then it's like, you know, then you get uh, the DG Chichester, Worcestershire run, and, and that goes for a while, and that's that's pretty hit or miss for a lot of folks. And then Daredevil runs around as like a French agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a minute. <laughs> like, there's some weird, there's some weird 90s stuff. Uh, so no, I would not hold up the 90s as a, a source of tremendous, tremendous Daredevil success. Uh, but yeah, what's happening in Spider-Man is, is definitely, you know, anytime you're, anytime you're referencing the Clone Saga. That is that is about that that embodies the '90s, um, just as distinctly as really anything anything going on. All right, so one more super chat, and then we'll move on to Devil's Reign X Men because it's an interesting comic book. 
Uh, Rodrigo asks, the five is basically the most important resource of Krakoa, and you can literally attack one from behind without Black Tom, Sage, or Krakoa noticing. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, I have called out Krakoan security, like, since X-Force number one. You know, it's funny, like, as much time as Percy and X-Force and other comics, too, have spent on, like, you know, X-Force and, and the actual, like, ops of protecting Krakoa, they get raided and they have all these holes and they're just horribly, horribly prepared for like everything. <laughs> like, like they're badly prepared for basically everything. I mean, even in like Trial of Magneto, you have those scenes where they're walking the Avengers through the, the hatchery, but they don't want the Avengers to know about resurrection. And it's like, what are you doing? Like this stuff's just out in the open. It doesn't make any sense if you're actually trying to conceal those things. They, and in some ways it frustrates me because it, you know, I like the idea of Professor X and Moira and, and Magneto having having this thing on lockdown, right? About knowing how to build a Krakoa that could last because they have all the information in Moira's lives. But if you take it the other way and you just look at like, well, they're trying to build a new nation and none of them have done that before, uh, it's pretty believable. It's pretty, pretty plausible that they kind of wouldn't know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, like Omega Red, like, and this is, I'm trying to think like where else we just saw this. I mean, I feel like we've seen this a bunch lately where people just walk in in the hatchery on the five and just like have their way with it. And it's like, yeah, like, wouldn't that be the one, I don't know, like one of two, like that and Cerebro helmets should be the most protected spaces in Krakoa. And it's, it's like, there's not even like a, a key card. <laughs> you just walk in. I, yeah, I agree. That does not make a lot of sense. Um, but, uh, but shouts to gold balls for, for getting a moment in the sun, getting attacked by Omega Red. So, all right, let's talk about some of the other comics that came up today. Uh, but again, you know, if you have questions about things that we've already talked about, get them in. Marauders number 27 ending. Let's start there, actually. So Marauders number 27 came out last week, and uh, it was not tremendously exciting. I think Jerry Duggan has so, so tremendously faded out on Marauders. Like, that started out, I started so hot, on Marauders. I was really into it. I loved it. I thought it was the best X-Book. And then just, like, nothing happened forever. Um, really ever since the Kate stuff. Like, when once Kate got resurrected, it was like, this book's over. Um, so, but anyway, issue 27 came out. Miraculously, 27 issues. And uh, at the very end of the comic, there was the one interesting page in there, which was Kate Pride. She still can't go through the Kirkcoan Gates. Uh, you know, right? This mystery of why she can't do it. It's like nobody could quite figure it out. Forge hasn't cracked it, yada, yada. She goes to Reed Richards. She goes to Reed Richards, the Fantastic Four. Remember, Kate is friendly with Franklin Richards. You know, they, they have a pretty good relationship dating back to the original X-Men Fantastic Four miniseries from the 80s. And, uh, you know, Kate goes to, to Reed and says, hey, I could use your help getting through these gates. Reed counters with, well, if I'm going to help you with that convenient access problem, then you need to help me restore the memory that Professor X viciously stole from me so I could cure, cure mutants. Those two things do not feel of an equitable nature to my mind, right? Those two requests feel very, very different to me. But Kate is like, yeah, sure, cool. <laughs> so we could do that. Now, what Reed is referencing, if you've forgotten, is um, in the X-Men Fantastic Four miniseries written by Chip Zdarsky. I think it had it by the Dodsons. Um, at the so in the beginning of that we learned that Reed created basically like a mutant dapminer that you can put on his son's genes in this case Franklin Richards so that Franklin couldn't access the Krakoan gates and uh, Professor X and Magneto were not happy to learn that Reed invented that because it could be used as a cure uh, Moira might want to take note of that one 
and uh, and you know they go and they pretty viciously and savagely take it from Reed's memory, but leave him with the memory that they did this. Like he knows that information's gone now. So there's honestly a lot of really interesting questions, a lot of really interesting ways that can go in terms of like what's the story to come next. Um, I mean, my biggest question is probably like why does Reed want that so badly? You know, and and it could just be like make me whole kind of thing, right? It could be, it could, knowing Reed, it could be his twisted way of like, hey, if I have that information, I can actually help Franklin now because he's despondent that he was declared mutant no more, right? No more mutant for Franklin um, in the, in the Dan Slott Fantastic Four. Uh, but it's also like, you know, I, I don't, I don't have any reason to believe Reed like actually wants to cure mutant kind. Like that doesn't seem like his MO. Uh, so what exactly is his rationale? That'd be interesting. Right, like that. That's an interesting story to be told. Uh, Kate being game for that, like just so she can use the gates, doesn't make a lot of sense still to me. Uh, but that's happening, so it's interesting. It's interesting. I want to see more stuff with that Fantastic Four plot element for sure. Uh, be picked up here in the future. I don't know exactly how or where it might. Um, but there's some good stuff there. There's also some good teases that we left off in that miniseries with Doctor Doom, right? And sort of his stuff with Valeria and what they're planning for and, and how Krakoa threatens them. And you know, I. I if anyone's going to pick it up, I want it to be L.U. because he did a good job with Doom in, uh, not X-Men Red, in Sword, you know? So, so we'll see. Like, that that could be interesting, but there's a, there's a lot going on there. So I liked that. Uh, things I liked, uh, I also liked Devil's Reign X-Men today. Jerry Duggan and Phil Noto. Um, it's a tie-in series. It's simple. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. But basically, it just connects the dots between, okay, as Devil's Reign is going on, what does that mean for the X-Men? Now, Devil's Reign, for those of you who don't know, Marvel event going on right now. It spins out of the Chips at Arsky, mostly Marco Cicchetto, Daredevil Run. Uh, it's the two of them doing this event. Uh, the event is basically, so Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, has been mayor of New York since like 2016, 2017. Stems back to the Charles Soule run. And uh, he's still mayor, and he's now declaring finally that vigilanteism is outlawed. Okay, so it's like kind of like a mini civil war, you know, kind of premise, but it's, but it's kingpins. And he's trying to outlaw vigilantes in the state of New York, um, he's also, or in New York City, uh, he is also, um, he put together, like, his own Thunderbolts, you know, so his, like, new kind of Suicide Squad, he's got, like, US Asian, he's got Rhino, he's got Electro, uh, Taskmaster, um, there was a miniseries in Kingdom Black that kind of put this team together for the first time, although the team's a little bit different here. So, it, basically, what happens here is he sends US Asian, he sends the, the, the Thunderbolts to go and kick the X-Men out of their tree <laughs> in, uh, in Seneca Park in New York, because he doesn't want the vigilantes there. As that's happening, Emma Frost gets involved, and they, they you know, now they're they're playing politics. You got Kingpin and Emma doing their own mini succession thing, and Emma shifts her weight on the political scene uh, using Harry Leland at the United Nations. They get the Seneca Tree X Men home declared like a I don't know what the term is, some sort of embassy thing that that can't be kicked out basically. So Emma wins this round. We also are getting some interesting flashbacks here in terms of the relationship between. Kingpin and Emma Frost back when Emma was like full-on villain in the Hellfire Club. Um, that stuff's actually pretty cool and pretty interesting to me because we're kind of seeing like, okay, Kingpin had connections with Emma and he would reach out to her when he needed things done. And, and Emma went to Kingpin to protect Lord Chantel. You know, we saw in some previous Marauders issues. So uh, I'm interested in what's going on there. It's also like it's a sensible tie-in for what is happening in Devil's Reign. Um, it makes sense. I mean, the other piece that happens in this issue is they really spell out exactly what is happening with Cyclops. Um, so, like, he cannot be visible in the public eye because 
of the fact that his resurrection was like more or less revealed to Ben Yurik. So he is obviously, as we saw in X-Men number six, going as Captain Krakoa, which is goofy and silly. And I love that he hates it. <laughs> so I'm actually pretty here for the Captain Krakoa era. Um, but that's all there. The other tie-in today was uh, Death of Doctor Strange, Black Knight, and X-Men. This is basically a continuation of the Cy Spurrier-written Black Knight miniseries, which came out last year. If you haven't read that, I think this one might be a, a pretty cold splash of water to the face. Um, it's a pretty fun miniseries. If you like Cy Spurrier and you like his writing, I would recommend checking it out. He actually makes Dane Whitman Black Knight kind of interesting, which is not something I've ever felt <laughs> in my life. Uh, so that continues here. You have Dane and his kind of newfound daughter. Um, they go and they have to do some magic stuff with uh, Faza, a.k.a. Excalibur. I'm um, forgetting her last name, but um, she stems from the Captain Britain and MI-13 run, which was written by Paul Cornell in the 2000s, Circuit of the Secret Invasion and Dark Reign era of Marvel Comics. And those are really good. Those are super underrated uh, comic books, Captain Britain and MI-13, but that, that character's cool, so they team up, they help the X-Men, the X-Men are turned into literal demons here, including Jean, who's turned into, like, a very large Jean demon, <laughs> and, uh, they battle them, and, and the day is saved, of course, um, the, the tease at the end of this, uh, and it's a spoiler for the issue, I suppose, um, it, though I can't imagine most people would be upset about this, is, it turns out Dane's daughter is a mutant, and she doesn't realize it yet, yet, so that is a possible Black Knight connection that I expect we'll see Cy Spurrier bring into um, Legion of X or some future X works. I, I would be surprised if they do not. Um, seeing the comment here, would love for Dane Whitman at all to join Knights of X. Yeah, that would make a ton of sense, right? And we, we get a little bit of Otherworld crossover here because we're talking about, you know, we're with Dane, you know, you got the, the King Arthur stuff, you got these famous swords, you got Merlin, right? And that's going to bring us into Otherworld. So that's a crossover that definitely would make sense. Um, I would definitely not be opposed. I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense and could play pretty well, but all right. So like, that's all the comics that came out today. Um, and all the main stuff I want to talk about again, I'm going to have a crack in Krakoa up on X lies of Wolverine. I'm going to say what I said here, but more eloquently and more thoughtfully, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, but, uh, but that should be going up tonight. I think it's already uploaded probably, but otherwise, uh, getting some questions, getting some thoughts, getting some topics. Otherwise we can call it. And Jean looks like Blob. That she does. That she does. Though still killing the miniskirt. Let's see. All right. So, not seeing any major questions. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, it was it was actually like a decent day of X-Men comics, you know, because the tie-ins were, were pretty solid. Uh, Devil's Reign X-Men, I think, will continue to be interesting. And then, you know, Lives of Wolverine. Like, there's a lot to say about it. Again, like, it's not... It's not an uninteresting comic. Um, there's a lot to talk about, and that that is valued, certainly. You know, I just don't think it, it lives up to its event status or anything like that. But it's, uh, yeah, I got to check out She-Hulk. I, I haven't read anything else. I've only, I only read the X stuff so far. Got to check out Eternals. Got to check out the new She-Hulk. I got to see what's going on um, in, the, in the Marvel sphere. I'm seeing what are your favorite Marvel books right now. I, you know, honestly, like, it's so, like, when you run a website and comic book stuff, like, there's so much time that I put into getting the best of 2021 stuff done 
that I tend to fall behind on stuff that comes out later in the year. And now in the early parts of the year, you know, now I have to catch up on like, okay, like New Venom just came out, you know, like I've, I haven't hardly read any of that. Um, I, the one book that I am caught up on is Moon Knight, which is a little more recent. I think it's seventh issue came out today. Moon Knight written by Jed McKay and, uh, or by Alessandro Capuccio. That's been really good. Really, really good. Um, Moon Knight had a new trailer this week, you know, probably all you saw. It was awesome. Super excited about it now. Um, I very, very excited for Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. But, you know, as that comes out, then there's a ton of hype, right? I see, like, the traffic for my Moon Knight reading order shoots through the roof, um, you know, which is great. Just updated it. That's awesome. But, uh, you know, you have to, you start, or I start wanting to recommend, okay, what Moon Knight comics should people read? And uh, there's, you know, the, the McKay and Capuccio run is, is quickly entering the conversation of some of my faves, for sure, right? Like, it's very quickly getting that potential. I think uh, the Lemire, Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood run from, I think it started in 2016. That's definitely going to be the go-to that you're hearing a lot, probably already heard a lot, um, that seems like the one that the show is most clearly going to be based on, which is basically like, you know, it's a little memento-y. Um, it's probably a better example, but basically it's like, you know, Moon Knight in an asylum, and it's like what is real, what is not. Um, you know, kind of taps into what I said at the start of this issue about why I like Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X so much, where it's like that state of unreality, that state of not knowing exactly what's playing out here. It does it super well. So definitely read the Lemire and Smallwood run. I'm going to reread that in the nearest future, if I can carve out time, because I think that'll be super fun. Um, I've been loving Eternals. I've definitely, you know, I've, I'm still all in on Gillen and Ribbage on Eternals for as long as they're going to do it. I'm even excited for this Judgment Day arc that's going to be like an Avengers and X-Men versus Eternals kind of thing, um, bringing some Celestials into the game. Like, I'm excited for it. If Gillen's at the helm, I trust him. The series has been really good, and uh, I'm actually I'm actually looking forward to that event. Um, I do like, to, like, the Dazarsky and Chiquetto uh, Daredevil is great. Like, it's flipping great. And uh, Devil's Reign has been solid, which, you know, Marvel events, uh, they they can go one of two ways, <laughs> essentially. Oh, that's not right. And, uh, and, and Daredevil, you know, Devil's Reign is actually a, a pretty good Marvel event so far, only a couple issues out. So there's a lot more to go. So again, I got to catch up on everything else that's going on in Marvel and, and across the board to figure out what my favorites of the year are going to be. But I would say those up front have been good. Um, let's see, what else we got? Do you have any thoughts on the Marvel Unlimited X-Men comics? Oh, that does remind me. Something that I haven't talked about. So there's a, well, two things. One, x Lies Wolverine number one is free on Marvel Unlimited today. I don't know if it's going to stay that way like forever and ever. Um, but, you know, day of release, that was up on Marvel Limited, which is a really cool move. I wish I had known that before I threw down $6 on Comixology. Like, really wish <laughs> I'd realized that, uh, but I didn't. Um, but if you haven't read it yet, that's an easy way to check it out, right? So no harm done if you already have a Marvel Limited description, which I don't know why you wouldn't if you're a Marvel fan. Uh, and uh, they also have an Infinity comic on there called Life of Wolverine, okay, which is a tie-in Infinity comic. Their Infinity stuff is just like the vertical scroller webtoon style thing. Um, it's a simple just like chronological order history of Wolverine. So it's like the premise is, and it, it connects, like it's a tie into X lives. Um, the premise is Jean Grey is going through Wolverine's history and his psyche, and she has to kind of go back through his history beat by beat in order, which is not how it's been displayed throughout, you know, comics history, right? Like it has been totally helter-skelter all over the place. You know, we don't learn his origin until 2001, even though the character was introduced in 1975, all that stuff. Um, but it's, it's simple and straightforward. And if you don't know that stuff, or you just want that little time with X lives. Um, I love that they're doing that. Like strategically, I love that Life of Wolverine exists. That's really cool. Do an Infinity comic that ties into your big event comic of the week. Um, push people to Marvel Unlimited. It's smart. It's good. Uh, that's that's awesome. 
Otherwise, I'm really not reading a heck of a lot of the Infinity comics. Um, I fell behind on X-Men Green uh, sometime around the time Nature Girl killed, like, her third person and, like, nothing happened. Uh, that, that story was wild. Uh, I'll go back and finish it at some point. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, seeking out these Infinity comics, but I like that they exist. I like strategically they're going to be doing more stuff with them. Um, so... It's, uh, yeah, it's, there's, there's some interesting stuff that can be done there. Let's see, what do we got? Um, just quick show of support in the Super Chat. Thank you for that. Very much appreciate it. Uh, Moon Knight has been alarmingly good. Totally agree. Totally agree. Do you expect an Eternals Immortal X-Men X-Over? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, it would be surprising if that didn't happen. It'll be interesting to see, like, okay, is Judgment Day going to bring that into play, or is that purely going to be Avengers versus X-Men type stuff, or excuse me, Avengers versus Eternal stuff? Um, I mean, it seems like with Eternals, if Gillen is going to tap into like future timelines, and the true meaning of a mortal X-Men here, the Eternals are the types of characters who would still be around to be interacting. Um, so I would love to see the Eternals and the immortal X-Men interact in some future timelines, and some possibilities about where mutant kind of Krakoa is going. That would be Super up my alley. Uh, let's see. We got Cassandra Nova in Marauders, question mark. Yeah, <laughs> that has been teased. There's a cover with Cassandra Nova going to be in Marauders. I may have talked about this last time. I don't remember. Um, I've been craving some Cassandra Nova content for a while. Uh, I trust Steve Orlando. I like Steve Orlando as a writer. I hope he can integrate Cassandra Nova into this team. It's going to be a super weird and super interesting one. Um, I hope, again, it's it's kind of that thing of I, I expect they're going to lighten Nova. I expect they're going to lighten her as if the menacing villainous presence she's been dating back to Morrison and, and quietly on new X-Men. Uh, but I hope they don't make her a joke. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't often have a problem with that. You know, I see MCU fans or whatever critics sometimes say like, Oh, Thor and Ragnarok made Thor a joke and people don't like it for that reason. I've got no problem with that. Right. Like I Thor Ragnarok's a super funny, enjoyable movie and I would rather have that and, and be able to make fun of things like Thor and Searcher. I got no problem with that. Uh, with Cassandra Nova, that I don't know. I don't know. I don't see that working super well. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. All right. Let's see. Final comments. Any final questions? Are we going to see mutants and inhumans together? People, it, listen, I'm like as big an inhumans fan as anyone I know. Okay. Literally, no one has done more for Paul Jenkins and Jai Lee inhumans miniseries than I have. I'm just going to claim that credit right now. No one has done more promoting that book than me putting it at the start of my modern Marvel reading order on Comic Book Herald. I guarantee you I have moved more units of Jenkins and Lee's Inhumans than anyone on this planet. Um, that said, I don't know why everybody's like so worried and interested in where the Inhumans are going to show up. <laughs> like, they'll show up when they're ready. They'll show up when there's an idea. You know, I saw some people saying like, oh, Hickman's, okay, he's doing this Moon Knight anthology book and with, with Chris Patello and... That'll be a fine short story, I'm sure. Um, then people are like, oh, is he going to do an Inhumans run? And it's like, you have any idea how weird it would be if Jonathan Hickman stepped in and he's like, hey, I'm doing Inhumans <laughs> next after X-Men, after they were the villains of mutant kind for years, uh, both metatextually and textually. Uh, it would be so bizarre. It would be so bizarre. I just I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. Um, I don't think we'll see the mutants and Inhumans together anytime soon. I, I truly, truly do not. Uh, all right, let's see. Final questions. I've seen some talk about X-Men 92. Going to be launching as a comic relaunch 
with uh, doing House of X, right? So it's going to be what if House of X was in the X-Men 92 animated verse, but this is a comic. Um, I think that's super fun. I think it's a blast as an idea. I like Steve Fox as a writer a lot. Um, I've had him on the show. I've talked to him about uh, a bunch of his work. Like he's, he's a super interesting dude, right? He wrote comic characters for a while for Pace. Uh, he's editing Department of Truth right now, which was like my favorite indie comic of last year. Um, he's a great writer in his own right. He did this erotic fiction book called Cheater Code, which is great. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's a huge X fan, so I expect that book's gonna be really fun. Doing House of X and animated X Men '92 style, uh, yeah, I'm, that was that's like the only way you could get me to read an X Men '92 animated comic. I would say is is specifically, hey, what if we did House of X? I'm here for it. All right, final question. What X-Books are you still looking forward to reading, if any, Hellions is ending, right? Yeah, so Hellions is done. It ended with issue 18. Zeb Wells is going to be taken over as the writer of Amazing Spider-Man with art by John Romita Jr. Shouts to John Romita Jr., young gun, stepping in. And uh, and good for Zeb, right? Good for Zeb. Like, take on Amazing. I hope he does a great job. I hope that book rules. Uh, but pretty clearly not going to be writing X stuff while he's while he's doing that, or at least that's the implication. Um so yeah, Hellions is done. What books am I excited for? I'm excited for all like the new stuff, right? I'm I'm excited for like the new writers, the new creatives, and kind of kind of the new books. Um, I'm excited for Al Ewing. To the the one that I'm most excited for like a continuation of is Al Ewing on X Men Red. You know, which is really just Sword 2.0, or at least it seems that way. Uh, super excited for Karen Gillen, Karen Gillen on uh, Immortal X Men. I'm super excited for Victor Laval touching Sabretooth and eh, phrase that poorly, but <laughs> writing Sabretooth and whatever his trip tech trip tech. It's going to be, um, I, Alyssa Wong was named in a, uh, as an upcoming creator in uh, one of those uh, Adventures in Poor Taste X-Men Mondays, and we don't know what she's going to be writing yet, but I read some of hers, Dr. Afra. I think she has a good feel for snappy dialogue and language, so I'm excited to see what potentially come out of that. Um, what else, what else, what else? I mean, those are, those are probably the big ones that I'm most excited about right now, and there might be something I'm forgetting, but those are the books that I'm excited about. Uh, the rest feels like, let's see, let's see. Legion of X, I would have been more excited about uh, early in Way of X, more so than I am now. Uh, but that, that's definitely a book I'm going to want to read, for sure. Uh, where is Lee Williams writing? Good question. I don't know. I don't know what the, the heck's going on there. Honestly, there don't seem like any books that are available. Uh, yeah, but those are, those are the books that, listen, I see questioning, touching Sabretooth in the chat. I phrased it poorly. I phrased it poorly. Um, he has been in the hole for a long time. Who knows what happens down there? We don't know. We're going to see, right? We're all going to find out together, um, as a team, <laughs> as pals. So, all right. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, this has been a blast. Uh, if you like Comic Carol, please like, subscribe, channel, comment here. That all helps me out a great, great deal. I will probably, I will be back next week doing X deaths for sure. And then based on that, we'll see, I, you know, we'll see if I want to continue doing it weekly. Um, you know, so Casual Krakoa will continue to return. Check out all the good writing we got going up on comicbookherald.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at comicbookherald if you want to talk comics some more. Thanks so much, everybody, for coming in and, and chatting live and, and being here with me. Uh, it's super fun. It makes this very worthwhile to do. So I appreciate it. And you get to you get to see my, my Secret Wars wall, right? You get to see the, the wall of Secret Wars that I finally got a finally got a situation where I can stand in front of that and my Stiltman figure. And, uh, and show it off. So that's exciting, right? I feel good about it. So, all right. Thanks, everybody, for coming. And as always, enjoy the comics.